You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, now we move from uh, the West or the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference. and We'll dip south of the border. We'll go to the United States Division, and uh, the guest who's going to uh, walk us through and be our guide is Josh Kreitzer, who writes for dubnetwork.ca, and we can stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League. Sign up for your daily dose of the dub and uh, stay up to date uh, for sure. And this time of year, boy, Josh, I think you'd agree, so much happening this week. If we had this conversation yesterday, boy, things have already changed. We just saw a trade between uh, Portland and uh, Prince George, and by the time this comes out publicly for teams, there could be more moves. So we can only go by what's uh, what the rosters look like at the time that we look at our watch and uh, the day that we're talking right now. But uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Josh. How are you? Uh, not too bad. I appreciate you having me on, and you're absolutely right. You know, I dropped my uh, Portland Winterhawks season preview, and the next day, <laughs> everything changes. So, And I think last year when I did it was the day Joachim Blickfeld got uh, sent back from San Jose. So um, you're only as good as your latest hour, I guess, on this league, but uh, I'm very much appreciative uh, to be on, be on here. It's uh, nice and raining here in, in Portland, so it's hockey season. All right. Yes, of course. Uh, all right. Let's get to let's get to business. And uh, the way we're going to look at this is we're going to start at the bottom and work our way to the top. So of the five teams that make up the U.S. division, who's the slowest team out of the gate this year and maybe finishes at the bottom of the pile in your mind? Oh, my gosh. I think the U.S. division is wide open this year. I think I think we're going to see a clear leader at the top. But I think one through or two through four can can really kind of just depend upon, I think it's going to come down to who can do the best in the, in the three point games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, who can, who can steal a point, who can preserve uh, or prevent another team from, from getting that point, who can win a shootout. Um, but for me, I've, I've got Tri-City uh, at, at the bottom. However, I do still see them uh, making the, making the playoffs and, and the U S will get uh, all five teams into uh, the playoffs uh, yet again in my eyes. All right. Well, spoiler alert. That's my last question that we, that we oh, usually sorry. get to, but that's fine. That's fine. We can start with, uh, with Tri-City and, uh, and look at that roster. And uh, there are definitely some interesting pieces on this team, but why do you think they're, uh, when you look at the roster, what, what are they lacking? You know, for me, it's not so much what they're lacking as what they lost. And for me, they lost a lot in, in their two leaders up front in Nolan Urenko and Parker Acoin. Acoin was a second team all-star in the Western Conference last year. Uh, and, you know, I, di- I just feel like they, they've kind of, they, they've lost some of that. They don't really have some of the big horses that, that some of the other teams do. However, Kelly Buckberger is a really quality coach. He gets the most out of all of his players. Um, but so I, I think for them, it's kind of more around, uh, what they lost, but, They've got some. They've got some really strong guys who I'm. I'm really high on this year. Uh, Sasha Mutala, I think, is probably sitting on, on the biggest year, and we might see the biggest jump in point production uh, in, in the U.S. division from uh, from him. Um, I see probably 35, 40, maybe even getting up near the 50 goal mark, um, and, and that's after uh, getting 20 goals a year ago. So uh, I, I know he was at Colorado's camp for a while, and from by all accounts and the people I talked to there. Uh, every time they they're like that, that's a special play. What? Who? Who is that? And they looked down, and it was Mutala. So um, he was one of my most underrated players that that I saw last year come through the U.S. Division, and uh, I would I would not be surprised to see Mutala on on a massive year this year. For me, I, I also look at Kyle Olson. He's you know he's been named captain for them. Uh, he'll he'll be in kind of one of their overage spots and. Um, you know, he scored 21 uh, goals a year ago, and most of the time he seems to do really well against the U.S. division. While the way the, the schedule breaks out, that's where you play the majority of your games. So if you're going to make hay against any one particular set of teams, it might as well be the division you're playing, right? 
<laughs> Makes a lot of sense to me. Um, who else up front, Josh, uh, do you think uh, leads the way in terms of uh, an offensive attack for the Americans? Yeah, kind of behind those two, I would probably put Connor Bouchard uh, sitting there uh, as another big year. I had a chance to see him in a couple of preseason games this year when I was up in uh, the Everett tournament as well as uh, making the trip out east out to uh, Tri-City. Um, you know, when, when some of the big some of the big guns were gone and uh, Bouchard really, I, I think, is sitting on a big year. And I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity for him there. Um, so I think that's going to be his, his biggest, you know, biggest opportunity for him and kind of what, what chances he can make. Um, you know, he, he seemed to be able to play, you know, that 200 foot game, but still be responsible in his own end while still chipping in offensively. Um, so I think, you know, Mutala, Olsen, and Bouchard are going to kind of be the, the big three for, uh, for Tri-City this year. A couple other guys who have kind of went through the league a little bit, Nikita Krivokrasov, we've seen him with other teams, and uh, Nick Bowman, who uh, along the way was the draft pick of the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, in my backyard. Uh, and uh, I know having spoken with Bob Torrey, he, he figures both of those guys could play prominent roles for the Americans. Yeah, I, without a doubt. And I, I think that's kind of – Bob Torrey is known for just finding the right guys and to play the right system. And, you know, Portland struggled with them last year. And, and you know, with that being the main beat that I cover, it, it was – you know they're gonna they're gonna grind you down. They're gonna they're gonna kind of play a compact game, but they're gonna be hard along the wall. And and the, and those two guys, like you mentioned, are, are going to be key key aspects for them. And uh, nothing's easy when when you play Tri City. They've got solid goaltending. Their their defense is is strong as well. And and so nothing's ever easy. And they're gonna wear you down. And they're gonna win two to one games. They're gonna win three to two games. And so they may not need to try and outscore everyone because they've got the. Uh, the ability to kind of uh, lock things down defensively. Well, and their defense is big. And uh, when mm-hmm. as, you, as you and I are speaking right now, there's there's probably still two or three guys uh, to trim off the roster. But you know, when when you've got Dom Schmeeman who's six four and Jaden Platts listed with the team six four and and Brian McAndrews is six five, and then you've got Mark Lejoie coming in as a rookie who's six four and two hundred and thirty pounds, uh, that is a lot of beef on the blue line. It is. And, you know, another guy on the blue line, too, that, that I look at is Mitchell Brown, you know, yes. 6'3", 213, right? He had a chance to go to, I believe, the Wilds camp uh, this year and after kind of getting uh, passed over. So you're absolutely right. With, with some of the U.S. division is pretty young up front uh, overall with, with their forwards, uh, kind of overall. And so you're seeing some of these teams have bigger defense and, you know, I think that could make it really hard on some teams as they go up against, uh, up against Vice City. Um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but my gosh, is, is Beck Warm going to be, um, a real, real strong contender and, and maybe kind of how Star City ultimately ends up doing could come down to the level of play that, that he brings, uh, for the Americans. It's funny when Mitch Brown at 6'3 and 213 pounds is your fifth largest blue liner. Yep, <laughs> that's that's ridiculous size uh, right now for Tri City. Yeah. Uh, okay. It is. Yeah. Let's go to the goalies, and you mentioned Beck Warm, uh, who's there as an overage uh, player, and, and Talon Boyko uh, backing him up. A pretty solid tandem. Uh, they have every right to feel confident uh, with both of those guys. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And and Beck Warm to me is. I had a chance to interview him a couple times last year, and he's just calm. He's confident. He knows what he needs to do. He played in 61 of 68 games last year. He made 238 more saves than the next closest goaltender. Um, on average, he faces about 32 shots per 60 minutes um, and about half a shot every minute over the course of, of last year. Second team WHL All-Star. 
Um, and so you know he can handle the workload. He's, he's done it as a 19, and, and he had a chance to go to uh, the Capitals camp this year. And so, um, you know, it, maybe Tri-City doesn't need to lean on him as heavily now with, with Boyko being, um, you know, a, a 17-year-old. And But, boy, uh, again, uh, I, I saw Boyko a couple times here uh, in the preseason. And, you know, he's six foot six, and I think that's being generous. I, I think he's probably 6'7". Um, maybe six eight. He's a he, he's a tall he's a tall guy, and uh, I saw him face over sixty shots against Everett. And he, um, you know, we, we went down and we were as the Dub Network guys, we were down kind of chatting with you know, kind of getting quotes and stuff after the game. And he didn't look exhausted, and I tell you, I was exhausted watching him get up and down sixty <laughs> times, you know, um, just making the saves. So I think I think uh, Tri Cities definitely got 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 um, you know their strongest on the back end there. And yet we have them finishing last. Uh, who is the fourth place team uh, in the U.S. division this year, Josh? Uh, for me, I, this one was this one was tough, but uh, I went with the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, for me. Okay, and tell me why. You know, I think they are probably looking a year or two ahead. Um, I think they're going to be really relying on on their young their young group. They could have potentially as many as four sixteen year old forwards. I think they're going to be led. You know how much can they get from that group? And I think that group is is going to be led by Connor Roulette and Kai Uchaz. Uchaz was the 10th overall pick in 2018. Mm-hmm. Got into five games last year, scored a goal at the end of the, at the end of the um, regular season. And then Connor Roulette has also really picked up his game in, in the preseason. I really liked what I saw from him. He was their second round pick in 2018 and he got in, into one game. So, you know, they're going to rely on their youth. Um, so I, I think that for me is the biggest aspect um, but they're, you know, they could have an area of strength in, in their overagers. Uh, you know, Matthew Wedman, depending upon what his status is with, with the Florida Panthers, I know he's going to the AHL camp now, but, you know, should he return, I think he's going to not only lead their team in scoring, but he could possibly top, be top 10 in the league. Um, Andre Kukacha scored 25 goals last year. He might be a two, he'll be a two spotter, but he gives them that much needed older scoring depth up front. Um, they, they did, you know, I think for me, the biggest reason why I maybe have them there is the trade that they made with Kelowna at the draft with, with Hamilik, Lee, and Schwabius, uh going over to the Rockets. Yeah. And so, you know, that Hamilk only played half a year, unfortunately suffered a, a pretty bad knee injury um, against Portland uh, about halfway through the year. But, you know, it was, it was, in, it was nice to see that he was, um, that he was still rewarded with, with a high draft selection, but um you know, I, I think that's going to be kind of a, an interesting situation. They've got one more decision to make up front. Uh, they've got Connor Bergen Kate who came over in that trade, um, but he's going to battle against Jackson Kaluski, uh, who got hurt during the preseason. So it kind of complicates their decision on the overage front. But, um, you know, I think that's going to be real interesting for what Seattle does uh, up front. It's going to be kind of a, a 16 show and then maybe up to the 20s. You mentioned that trade with uh, the Kelowna Rockets, and to me that kind of signaled the direction for Seattle this year, you don't make that trade if you're going for it. Uh, I think uh, that, you know, with Jake Lee and Dalton Hamilak, those are guys you would want if you were t- trying to take a run uh, this year. So it, it, it seems to be somewhat of a development, uh, rebuilding, maybe retooling kind of year uh, for Seattle. So I, I get why you would have them where they are. Now, Roddy Ross in net, um, they don't really take a step back in net, though, right? I mean, this guy was fantastic. Nope. He was fantastic. He got rewarded, uh, by being, by being drafted, uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers in the sixth round. Um, you know, he, he got in 25 games at 2.76 goals against average 919 save percentage. Um, kind of stole some games for them, uh, last year. So, um, it, it, it'll kind of be the theme of, of the, of the U.S. division. Don't want to spoil it too much, but 
every starting goaltender in in the U.S. division has some sort of ties to an NHL team, whether being drafted or going to an, to an NHL camp. So um, goaltending is definitely going to be the strength of the U.S. division, and Seattle is is right there with them. Um, on the blue line, uh, uh, Kubitschek uh, is going to kind of ma- maybe lead the way. Tishka uh, left early yeah. uh, to, to, to go to school. And uh, Peyton Mount, for me, is another guy to keep an eye on up front. Had a real strong preseason. Um, you know, maybe not quite what we saw to stay coming, but uh, Peyton Mount looked real good. Um, this year he's taken a big step. I know Matt Odette, uh, their head coach there, is, is pretty excited about what, what he's seen for, from him. Um, and so, you know, what, what can he take after being a rookie last year? Well, we know the preseason you got to take with a huge grain of salt, maybe a salt lick. Uh, the T-Birds go 5-0-1 in the preseason, but we do expect them to come back down to earth here uh, once the once once things get going for real. All right, we had Tri-City 5, Seattle 4. Who's your number three team? Uh, Portland, my the, the hometown team that I'm covering here. So, uh, you know, for me, I think they're very similar to Seattle and how they're built. However, they're a year ahead. They're going to rely on 17-year-olds instead of 16-year-olds. They've got three... Uh, uh, 17-year-olds who are going to play top six minutes, Seth Jarvis, Cross Hannis, uh, si- Simon Kanak, uh, I believe that's how you're going to pronounce his name there. Um, all three of those are going to be expected to go in the first two or three rounds in the upcoming draft. They've got two other strong 17-year-old forwards in Tyson Kozak and Robbie Fromm Delorme up front. Uh, there's a huge loss with, with Josh Patterson uh, not re- not returning. He's starting his his uh, started his schooling with the University of Alberta. So that kind of hurts the Ryan Hughes trade a little bit. Um, but they've, they've got some, you know, they're going to rely on 17s. They've got one 19 year old forward and then on uh, Mason Manick. And then they've got two, uh, overagers in Jake Gracious, who just returned from San Jose's camp, uh, and Lane Gillis. So otherwise, you know, Portland has three players over the age of 18 up front. So, uh, they're going to be real young, uh, up front and, you know, that, you know, in a league that's sometimes dominated by the 19 and twenties, uh, Portland's got 17s. Now, do we expect they're going to struggle to score because of that? Uh, I don't think so. I think you're, you're going to kind of see it, it, it kind of go in waves. Jarvis and Hannes are, are real dynamic players. Um, Jarvis represented uh, Team Canada uh, at the Linka Gretzky Cup, uh, had a real good tournament up there. Cross Hannes, same, same things. Uh, Simon Kanak, all three of those guys were actually at, at the Linka. And, and so uh, I don't think scoring is going to be a problem for them up front. Uh, unlike we've seen of some Portland teams in the past, I, th- I think the, it's getting the scoring from, from the blue line. Uh, gone are the days of Yokoharu, Chalosky, the Jones brothers, Bouliot, um, just to name a few. So, um, kind of where, the, where is the scoring going to come, come from the back end? Yeah. And can the 17 year olds do it on a consistent basis? Yeah, that's a great point. No Josh Morrow. And you mentioned uh, Derek Bouliot and those types of players. I don't see one on this roster either. Now, I don't know Jonas Bromberg at all, but at 6'4, 188 pounds and, and he comes in. He's not 17 or 16 or 17 either. So he's got a little bit more experience under his belt, although, He's a rookie over here. Yeah, and getting a chance to kind of talk with him in the preseason, up until he came over to Portland about a month ago, he had never played on NHL size ice. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think that's going to be, be something, something to watch. But one of the things I noticed in all the preseason games he played, he's super calm. And there are times where he, he kind of did, he reminded me, now, don't, this isn't blasphemy here, but he reminded me of Yokoharu in the fact of how before he took off with the puck, he looked over both shoulders and then, st- then skated up. He's not afraid to jump into the rush. I don't think he's got the finishing ability that Yokoharu had as a rookie, but he definitely has that same level of confidence and there's no panic in his game, despite the fact that his time and space has been significantly reduced, but that six foot four frame and that long stick that he has, he definitely knows how to play, 
play the, the defensive style of the game. He's really going to help uh, John Ludwig, who is going to be a rock for, for Portland on the blue line. He was uh, drafted by the Panthers in the third round. So those two are probably going to be the big horses uh, on the back. Clay Hannes is expected to take uh, and maybe kind of lead that first power play unit. Uh, and, you know, he, he's entering his third uh, full year with the Winterhawks. So um, it's going to be kind of scoring by committee from the back end there. Joel Hofer is the starter in net for the, uh, the Winterhawks. Uh, and they just went out and picked up Isaiah Delora, as we alluded to. And, and, uh, d- is that a, uh, a reflection on Dante Giannuzzi? I thought that by the sounds of it was, uh, was doing all right in camp, but did, did things change? You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to, to talk with uh, Mike Johnson yet. I, I'm getting out to practice on Wednesday. And so hopefully we'll, we'll have more information there. And, uh, so, so you just never know. You don't, you don't know if, if something happened in camp. And I'm not one to get into the, into the speculation, but, uh, by all accounts, Giannuzzi w- w- was was playing well, so uh, you know maybe there's, there's something else in play here. So uh, without knowing kind of more and having a chance to, to kind of talk with, with the front office in, in Portland, I, I'm probably not going to speculate too much on that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you mentioned the strength of goaltending position throughout the division, and, and same with Portland, right? Joel Ofer should be in line for a, a pretty strong year. He, he should be, absolutely. And I think for him, one of the things that was the biggest changes coming over from Swift Current was Swift Current was getting, you know, badly outshot and he was facing, you know, 40 shots a night. Well, last year's Portland team, and, and the, you know, wasn't giving up a ton of shots. So they would go five, six minutes without giving up a shot. And that's a big change for a goaltender. And uh, he had he had some, you know, a solid defense in front of him. And so, you know, kind of the types of shots he was facing was a little bit different. Um, but, you know, St. Louis has been here a lot, and they rewarded him with signing a contract right before the playoffs started. So I, I think Portland is, is going to really rely on Hofer. And now with a little bit of a younger team, you know, losing guys like Cody Glass and Joachim Blickfeld and Jared Frederick, um, Brennan DeYoung, there's going to, with these younger guys, like I talked up front, Portland's probably going to give up a few more shots. And that might play right into the hands of Joel Hofer because he stole a lot of games for, for a Swift Current team that really struggled uh, in the first part of uh, last year. Josh Kreitzer is my guest. He writes for dubnetwork.ca, and uh, you can stay up to date on everything happening around the league uh, with that website. Uh, we got two teams left, Everett and Spokane. Who is your number two team? Number two team for me is the uh, Everett Silvertips. I see them maybe and Portland going down to maybe the final weekend uh, to kind of figure out who gets uh, two and who gets three, similar to what we saw with Portland and Spokane uh, this past season. All right. Well, and uh, again, I guess we we can start in net with Everett because we know goaltending <laughs> is not going to be a problem there. Never is. It, it never is. It just seems like, you know, they have Carter Hart and it's like, all right, here comes the drop off. And then Dustin Wolf comes in and uh, he played 61 games, had a crazy stat line of a 1.69 goals against average and 936 save percentage. Oh, and oh, by the way, he had seven shutouts. Yeah. He's a 17-year-old. Uh, Carter 18 year old year he had a 199 goals against average and a 927 so wolf had put up better numbers as a 17 than than hart did as an 18 so um you know wolf is is going to keep them in every single game he's a strong candidate for team usa to make the world juniors possibly as their third goalie um they did get a backup in uh, ushl goalie keegan carkey who gave up ncaa eligibility to come there uh that's kind of what i'm calling the wolf insurance uh just in case for however long he, he's gone um he's a six foot five goaltender so again you know I, the part that just baffles me, and it, I don't think it, it doesn't play into this season, but how, how Wolf went so far late in, in the draft. But um, I think Everett fans are maybe still a little bit better about that. But um, Wolf is, is going to keep him in, in every game. He's super calm in that, doesn't give up a ton of rebounds. And the ones he does, they're off to the side um, or easily cleared by uh, that real stellar um, you know, b- blue line that uh, Everett's known, known to have. 
Do we expect Wyatt Wiley and uh, Gianni Fairbrother back? Uh, I know Fairbrother was banged up, but he might already be back. I don't. I haven't heard. Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I think that what it's, their overage situation is a little bit crowded. They 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 lost a lot up front, and the biggest question mark for Everett is is kind of who's going to play um, down the middle. Yeah. And you know, I think Max Patterson, who came over from from Swift Current, is you know maybe wasn't going to have a have an opportunity. Um, you know, with, with Dewar and, and Sutter moving on to play pro, but. Uh, Kindop is back. He's locked in. He's going to be their captain. 39 goals uh, last last season. He's probably going to at least you know put that up again. Uh, so it really comes down to what do they do with Wyatt Wiley and Jake Christensen, um, you know, and, and Max Patterson. So they're going to have to pick between two of those three. And you know, I think any one of those three is is probably not going to be out of a out of a playing time for a while. But Everett is banged up. Uh, Jackson Berzowski and uh, Martin Fesco Rudis will not play in the opening weekend. So. Um, you know, we're, we're really going to have to see. And uh, Reese Vitelli is, is someone down the middle, uh, you know, who, who last year put up uh, 27 points as a 17-year-old, and they're really going to rely on him down the middle. And, you know, that's, you know, where the goal is going to come from from Everett. Uh, for me, they're coming from uh, their new import, Michael Goot. Uh, he's shown tremendous scoring touch. He scored from all angles. Um, he really looks the part. But uh, like any of those new imports, it's going to take them some time, and let's see how they look uh, kind of around the holiday break. Yeah, when I talked to uh, GM Gary Davidson, well, that's about a month ago now, so maybe things have changed, but it sounded, uh, reading between the lines, it sounded like he was going to be looking for, for forward help uh, for Everett up front to uh, to help with some of that offense. Uh, that means we have one team left, and uh, you've uh, uh, put the Spokane Chiefs at the top of the heap, and I guess the question to lead off is, does it matter whether Ty Smith is back or not? If he is, if he isn't, are they uh, still the number one team in your mind? For me, they're the, they're the number one team with or without Ty Smith. Um, I'm not saying that they can use Ty Smith because, in my opinion, Ty Smith is is the uh, best defenseman in the league should he return, and that includes Bowen Byram, um, and I'll stand by that. Um, I think the, what Ty Smith brings is, uh, is insurmountable. I've seen two playoff series w- with him now uh, up front and just really see what he's able to do, but – you know, they got a big answer, uh, was it yesterday or two days ago, with uh, Philip Kroll coming back from Toronto. They kind of had those three guys, and Ty Smith, Jake McGrew, and Kroll, and how many of those three are they going to get back? So, um, I, in my eyes, I don't see Smith coming back. I, I felt like last year he was right at – he was one of the last cuts uh, from New Jersey, and, you know, with all the moves that they made, they're going to be looking for some guys who are, you know, cheaper on, on the cap, and Smith brings that being on an ELC. Um, and then also with, with Jake McGrew – uh, he's maybe in the same situation that we saw with Portland last year with, with Joachim Blickfeld being a San Jose guy, if, and they don't have an ECHL affiliate, so if there isn't room on the Barracuda, uh, he's back in Spokane, and that really then elevates them up. But the key for, Sp- for Spokane, or any team who's going to play Spokane, is how do you s- shut down that power play? 29% in the regular season last year, 36% in the playoffs, 30% in the preseason. That that power play just clicks, and they are they're a challenge, and They've got a lot of big guys up front, a lot of guys who can score, a lot of those guys coming back. They've got a couple of guys who are, who are going to probably be called early in the draft as well. Um, the question that the biggest question they had was goaltending. They've got it now. So uh, I, I just, and then you add in the new coach in Manny Vibros. He's won a WHL championship with the Broncos in 2018. Mm-hmm. He's an assistant coach with the Oilers. And what kind of impact can he make? I just, I just feel like there's every checkbox that you have for um, kind of what you look at for, for a team. Uh, Spokane can check all the boxes right now. And you mentioned the goaltending, and that's been shored up because of their uh, their import pick. Uh, and I don't know, is it Lucas Parrick? Is that how we're pronouncing? Uh, Parik. Uh, Parik. Parik. All right. 
Now, have you seen him? Is- yeah, he he does. He he's a feisty guy. He he, he gets he's not afraid to kind of mix it up with, with guys in front of him. So, um, but yeah, I had a chance to see him in, in the preseason up in Everett, and he he looks real calm. He's got some extra movements here and there, maybe compared to some of the other guys. But he's a real athletic goalie, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be a big upgrade for them uh, in net. And you know, it kind of kind of helps maybe solve some of their overage situation. You know, a lot of it kind of depends on what they end up doing, but. You know, they've got, you know, a 99 in, in Reese Clausen, but do you want to have your backup playing, you know, being an overage? And right. do you also have a third rounder who's not playing? So, you know, their, their goaltending has a little bit of question marks, but Parikh for me is going to be, uh, he's going to step right in and, and kind of help answer, answer that question. Do you see any sort of hole or weakness in the Chiefs at this point? Uh, you know, I, I worry about sometimes, you know, kind of take, taking a fun shot. I, I worry, you know, do some teams have scoreboards that go up to double digits? Uh, you know, I, I think they're going to score a lot. I think they're going to score a lot of goals. Um, but no, I, maybe, maybe on the blue line, you know, once you kind of get behind Ty Smith, they'll probably maybe, maybe Russell, but there might be a little bit left to be desired there. But, um, you know, I, I think with the two way forwards that they have, the scoring touch that they have, and, you know, the defenseman that I mentioned, I, I feel like they're just a really sound team from, from top to bottom. Uh, I was really high on them last year. Uh, you know, they finished, you know, they ended up finishing second, you know, a decent way behind Everett. But they kind of kind of proved the point when they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, uh, you know, kind of getting through the whole U.S. division there uh, on that side of the bracket. But I, I don't I don't see it. Toporowski, it's going to be the Adam Beckman show. Jack Finley, 6'5", 205 as a 17. Zumak had 53 assists last year. They're all back, and uh, that's without uh, that's without McGrew and without Ty Smith. So much to like in Spokane this year for sure. All right, to recap, Spokane one, Everett two, Portland three. Uh, you had Seattle four, and the Tri City Americans five. But spoiler alert: you had all five making the playoffs this year. Now, is that more of a reflection on a weak BC division in your mind, or just that these, even though these guys are the the five US teams are going to be beaten up on each other all year? Because they play such an un- unbalanced schedule, they're all still going to make it in. I still think they all make it in, and unfortunately, I think some of it has to do with how close the teams are. That there's going to be three point games all over the place. Mm. Um, but you know, for me, how how I have my predictions is that Prince George is, is is on the outs, as is Victoria, and I think whoever's fifth in the U.S. division is going to be battling against Victoria. Um, but j- just based upon the goaltending, and that's that's in the U.S. division, I feel like that's going to probably give them a, a leg up on on those two teams in the BC. Um, you know, I, I think that the top of the BC is, is probably better than or will be better depending upon what, what Kelowna ends up doing. But um, I think the top of the BC is better overall than than the U.S. But I think the bottom of the U.S. is better than uh, kind of what the BC has to offer as as we record. Sounds like it's going to be a fun year. Josh, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to having you on again. Awesome. Well, thanks. We uh, really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you guys around the rink. All right, so there you have Josh with his predictions of uh, in reverse order, Tri-City dead last with Seattle, uh, Portland, Everett, and uh, Spokane as the top team. I see it very similar. I'm going to flip Seattle and Tri-City. I'm going to go with uh, Seattle on the bottom, Tri-City. Uh, coming in fourth, uh, followed by Portland, Everett, and Spokane as the number one team. And for me, it doesn't matter if Ty Smith comes back or not. I still have uh, Spokane as the top team. I do have the same as Josh, though. I have all five teams in the U.S. making the uh, the playoffs. So if you're a fan of the Americans or the T-Birds and you're uh, listening to Josh and I say your team uh, might finish dead last, um, that's okay because you're going to still get into the playoffs. 
at least according to Josh and I. Last segment to get to on the show this week is going to focus on the BC Division. And uh, my guest for that, Stephen Hocko, who uh, covers the BC Division 4 and the Vancouver Giants uh, 4 dub network. That closes out the show next. We need this win, you know. we got a lot of losses. To yeah, we got a lot of losses. Come on, come on. Come on, come on. Hey, this is Dave Hansen of the Hansen Brothers from the movie Slapshot. I'm ready to put on a foil but not drink any of that stinking root beer as I sit down and listen to the Pipeline Show with my good buddy, E. Just a little bit south of Saskatoon Take my guitar for board and room 